and welcome back to the Dreamcast. I am your host, Denise Walsh. I combine science, scripture, and stories that will inspire you to dive deep, break through your own personal glass ceiling, and design a life of your dreams. Let's face it, if it were easy, then we would already be doing it. So many of us have big dreams and big goals, yet we stop ourselves right before we see progress. This is called self-sabotage, my friends, and we often don't even know that we're doing it. This is exactly why I created the What's Preventing Your Dream Life six-question quiz. If you're struggling with who am I meant to be or how do I get there, then this five-minute quiz will bring you clarity and help change your outlook on life regardless of the circumstances. I designed this quiz with you in mind so that you could quickly assess where you are currently and gain the exact tool for your personal breakthrough. Take the first step to your dream life now with this free tool. Visit denisewalsh.com slash quiz. Big, big welcome back to the Dreamcast. In this episode, we are going to talk all about vision casting, really knowing or I think exploding our mind for what's possible in this digital age in a, in a myriad of ways. Our next guest started her entrepreneurial journey in about 2010 when she was watching the BBC's Apprentice while nursing her newborn baby on the sofa. Isn't that interesting? The best aha moments come when you least expect them. The candidates on the show were making their own iPhone app and slightly delirious from sleep deprivation. She decided that if they could do it, so could she. Within a few years, she had quit her day job and built up a global multi-million pound empire teaching online courses in organic skincare and hair care formulation. Her success didn't happen overnight. Many entrepreneurs gloss over this hard work <laughs> that's involved in building an online business. You guys, you know that we're all about the journey here, right? Rather than hiding the challenging truths involved in creating a successful empire, she wants to tell stories that involve the building of the business that's on track to eight figures. It's not just about the stage. We all see the highlight reel of Instagram, don't we? But it truly is about the journey. And that is where all of the lessons come. She wants to share her mantra of hard work, the beauty of perseverance, and get the message out to more female entrepreneurs who have a dream of creating something bigger than themselves, that it's all within their reach. Big Dreamcast, welcome to Lorraine Delmeyer. Thank you so much for having me. It is fantastic to be here. Well, I am excited to hear your story and pick your brain because I think so many of us say, all right, I, I know I was made for more. I love being a mom. I love being with my kids, but dude, I've got a lot in me. I'm not just a, a one you know track lane person. I've got a lot of passion. I've got a lot of desire. And I want to give back into the world. But we often don't know what to do with that ambition, with that desire. It kind of just rolls within us. So tell us a little bit about what happened before 2010. Where where were you? And, and tell us a little bit about how you got here. Well, first of all, thank you for, for asking the question. I mean, before 2010, I had a great career, like really good. I was on a fast track in the corporate world. 
I had lived and worked all around the world. Um, I spent three years very cold in the Russian Far East on an island working on the world's largest oil and gas project. I had lived in the US, I'd lived in Australia, I'd lived in the Netherlands. You know, I was doing really well. And um, I was I was working a great job in the UK where I was developing wind farm, um, commercial scale wind farm plans on onshore. And then I got pregnant and I went on maternity leave. And I said to my employers at the time, you know, when I come back, you better have something for me to do because I knew what they were like. And here in the UK, you take a year off to, to go on maternity leave. We're very fortunate like that. So I came back and because I'd kept my mantra up, up of you better have something for me to do, they did. But then three years later, I went on maternity leave again with my second son and I came back and they didn't. And at that point, I was ghosted at work. You know, I had nothing to do. I was stuck in the attic and I'd gone from having quite a senior role. I had well-paying jobs. As I said, I traveled all around the world to the point that I was literally knocking on people's doors going, give me work, give me work. I need something to do. I'm not the sort of person who can just sit at their desk and reap the rewards for doing nothing. That's just not who I am. And thankfully, I'd already seen the writing on the wall and I'd spent the last three years sort of dabbling in entrepreneurship, setting up my own business, uh, developing a following. And whilst I was on maternity leave with my second son, I had the opportunity to buy a tiny, tiny business that I'd trained with because I decided that I wanted to create my own skincare line. So wanting to learn how to formulate, I figured, right, okay, I'm a biologist by training. I've got the science background. Now let's get the practical skills. So I took this online course, loved it and thought, yeah, okay, this is great. And then had the opportunity to take over the entire school when it was a one woman side hustle. So I did that whilst on maternity leave with my baby and my toddler in tow and my legal team, which was a fascinating experience. And so I thought, you know, this is my new hobby business. This is my side hustle. And then obviously came back from maternity leave, as I said, was ghosted, realized I had to turn that side hustle into something serious and quick. So I did. I threw myself into it. And that was the start of the whole journey. Amazing. So did you end up actually formulating your own products? I did. And I was almost ready to launch. And at that point, obviously had the opportunity to take over the school. So I was lined up with my beauty range. And at this point, I was already blogging. I had um, I had about like 20, 30,000 readers a month. I was building up a social media following because people were like, wow, you know, she's talking about all the science behind the ingredients and formulation. And so I had a following and I sat there and I thought, you know, this has changed my life in such a short period of time. I think I can have even greater impact and change more people's lives if I start teaching this. And then obviously had the infrastructure that was there, threw myself into it and set about basically ripping apart the school bit by bit because literally everything had to be broken down to the ground level and then built back up again. But yeah, I could see that I could reach thousands, if not you know, hundreds of thousands of people with this. So threw myself into it. Amazing. So how long have you been the owner of the school? Seven years now. So it's been quite a roller coaster. And obviously, as you said, you know, in, in your intro, you know, that was my side hustle then. Now I have a team of 40 people. Last year we sold five million dollars worth of courses. So it's been quite a roller coaster of of seven years as well. <laughs> the ups and downs, the the blessing of expansion and finding the right people to fit the right roles and interviewing them and trying not to wear all the hats yourself. Yes, going from solopreneur yeah. to kind of CEO is is a shift yeah. in itself. So 
you had the blessing of buying this course and this course already had a track record, but it needed to be redone. So how the heck do you start from scratch when you're building out a course? Wow, well, that's a good question because I've built out quite a few courses since then as well from scratch. So at the at the time that I, I took over the school, we had a few courses in there. Nowadays, we have nine and we have a membership site. Um, so we've added a lot over the years. But the first thing I knew I needed to do was to, um, first of all, completely redesign the courses. So I basically went into the studio with a camera crew, which was quite an ambitious thing to do, given that it was just me at the start. And I I started picking up a few people along the way. You know, I hired a chemist. I hired an education manager. I hired people to, to run my help desk as things grew gradually. I have to say this wasn't an overnight transition. And then we started to basically go through the materials and rip them apart. So that was the first stage, really, paired with the fact that I really wanted a fantastic customer experience, student experience. And that I had to literally take back to basics. Because when I took over the school, even when you enrolled, you didn't get even a a single welcome email. There was literally nothing. (laughs) It was all manually done completely. You would get a PayPal receipt. And then you'd get a message that basically said, now wait for several days and check back to see if your course has been set up. You know, that's how rubbish the customer service was. So that was the first thing I ripped apart as well, because I wanted people to go through the process of studying with us and come out the other end and say, that was awesome, because then I knew that they would go and tell other people. So that was literally the first thing I did before I put effort into marketing, before I put effort into, you know, ads or anything like that. In fact, we still hardly spend any money on ads. But yeah, it was all about that that customer experience experience and the journey that I focused on first. And you're right. Referrals end up being a powerful uh, lead resource for you because they don't have to think too hard. They already have somebody they like, know, and trust who had a great experience and learned and was able to create because of it. And so when they refer, I feel like it's an easy yes for others because they already like, know, and trust you because of that connection. Yeah, absolutely. They are the best ambassadors we could possibly have. And I started to to see that very early on because people would tag us. They would tell their friends about us through word of mouth. And I spent a lot of time getting to know the customers or the students that we had uh, back then because it was small. You know, I, we only had a few hundred students. Now we have over twelve and a half thousand. So I can't quite give the same personal touch from me personally, but my team can still because it's such an important part of, of how we operate. And being able to connect with people one-on-one and meet them at events and talk to them online and chat to them over social media platforms really gave me a fantastic insight into who we were selling to, who they were, what made them tick, what what their dreams were. And that also then helped me really shift the focus of how we marketed, how we created content, et cetera. Right. Well, they always say, you know, know who your client is and what problem you're solving. And so your client was somebody who also wanted to create their own skincare or hair care lines. Is that right? That is. Yeah, absolutely. And pretty much I'd say 95% of the people who go through our courses still have that ambition. We're now also attracting in people who just want to learn to formulate for themselves, which is awesome because anyone can formulate. And that's also the message we're putting out there into the world. You don't need to be a chemist to make your own beauty products. People have been doing it for millennia. Let's not stop now. You have the um, you have the potential to do so. But the majority of people who study with us still very much want their own indie beauty brand. 
Right. Okay. So this is really interesting to me because I am learning a lot about environmental toxins right now. And not only just, I mean, EMFs and all these other things and and hair care and skin care is a big part of that because there ends up being a lot of thing, unknown ingredients in the things we buy off the shelf. I don't know if I have the ability to create a whole brand surrounding it, but I would love to make my own just for me. So tell me more Mm -hmm. that how does somebody go about doing that? It's really quite straightforward. Formulating is actually really easy and fun. I think it's a, I always compare it a little bit to cookery. You know, I say anyone can formulate. I don't know if you've ever seen that film Ratatouille where the little rats are always sort of going, anyone can cook. Well, I view it very much the same in terms of beauty products because, you know, making, let's say a lip balm, which is a product that most people start with when they learn to formulate, it's effectively oils, butters, and waxes. And you put them in a a pan over water, you melt them down, you stir them together gently, you cool it down gently, and then you pour it into a container and there is your lip balm. It is that simple. And then you obviously can start to take it up a level. You can start to make emulsions where you combine oil and water, which is what our lotions are, our hair conditioners are, they're emulsions. And that takes a little bit more practice. So, you know, you obviously have to invest in the time and the ingredients to to have a go at it really and treat it as a fun experiment, much like you would when you're learning how to cook. And then you can take it a, a step up above that where you start to be, work with water-based ingredients like shampoos, which then need to foam, they need to be properly preserved, they need to be stabilized. But there are so many amazing botanical ingredients out there made from roots and flowers and petals and herbs and leaves and seeds and it's super exciting when you you find yourself stood there in your mini lab at home and you're surrounded by these incredible plants and they're colorful and they smell aromatic. You know, it's a you can lose yourself in it, basically. And that's really what our students also say. And they have fun just there in their labs creating these incredible concoctions. Yeah, I think these days more and more people are starting to understand the power of I'm getting back to small. You know what I mean? I think, uh, you know, I'm buying my meat from local farmers. We have our own chickens. We're we're really saying, all right, let's do some things ourselves. We don't need the big box stores to fulfill all of our needs. We really can um, get what we need yeah. from our from our local community and um, and then know exactly what's in it. So I can imagine that your courses are powerful for those who really want to launch and sell and educate and and create their own customer base. But then also somebody like me who's like, I just want to make sure that I know what I'm putting into my body. Yeah, absolutely. It is so empowering. And then when suddenly you make your first thing, you make your first product and you're stood there holding it and you go, wow, that wasn't so hard. Why have all the big brands been telling me for years that I have to wear a white lab coat and stand in a lab and go go to university to become a chemist? Because actually anyone can do this. And I've been um, I've been researching the history of the beauty industry. I spent several months doing this over Christmas. I ordered all these books and sort of immersed myself into it. And it is fascinating because up until like the 20s, people didn't wear makeup that much. People, women who wore makeup were viewed as women of loose morals. You know, they were generally viewed as like the ed- the fringes of society. And then Hollywood came about, people started watching these women on screen who were wearing makeup and they thought, okay, actually I want this too. And it sort of came back into fashion again. Or up until the 60s, people washed their hair once a week. It wasn't until like the big brands started to put in place big marketing campaigns to say, you have to wash your hair more often, otherwise you're not clean and hygienic. 
And so we've been conditioned to think that we have to use products in a certain way. And then throughout that whole journey, we've been told, you know, you have to buy from chemists, chemists know best. And that's why when you go into department stores pre-COVID, obviously there are a lot of people standing there wearing white lab coats, selling you your beauty products because it's all part of the messaging. But when I really delved into the history of it and I went back to the 1500s and the 1700s, I found all these books online of the original sort of DIY beauty recipes that have been around for hundreds of years. And they're not that different to what people can do now. You know, they were putting olive oil in their hair 500, 600 years ago, and we still do that today. So this messaging that's been put forward, it's actually all just marketing. And we have it in ourselves to create our own beauty products, much like we can make our own clothes or make our own, grow our own food, cook our own food. It's empowering. And I want to take that back from the beauty industry and basically teach the world to formulate. I love that. I, I've been learning a lot myself and I I find that media, TV, radio, whatever it is, directs culture. Um, sometimes people think it mimics culture, like, oh, well, that's why it's on TV, because that's what life is like, when in fact, it's actually directing culture. And there's one marketing campaign I saw where they wanted more women to buy cigarettes and the cigarette box was green. So then they started putting all these high fashion people in green and women started buying more cigarettes because of their connection with this green color. So anyway, it is all marketing (laughs) at the end of the day. And I think if we don't go back to the roots, then we can be swayed by all the things that are out there. Uh, So I love your message and I love that your courses are for those who really want to launch, but then also somebody like me who just wants to do it in their own kitchen and learn this new skill. But I know that it's not smooth sailing this, this whole business thing. So tell me a little bit about the ups and downs you experienced along the way. Oh my goodness. Where do you want me to start? (laughs) Yeah, I know. There's this very, there's very much this um, vision of entrepreneurs. You know, they have it easy, and you see all the pictures online of the guys, the bro marketeers in front of their Lamborghinis. But you know, the truth is that building a, a business is like a roller coaster, which is also what I said. You know, the last seven years have been a roller coaster. I think the biggest challenges I've had have been finding the right people to come and work with me, and I'm sure that most business owners would say exactly the same thing. It's certainly what I hear from every single business owner I speak to, big and small. Um, Because you have to find people who can, first of all, buy into your vision, who are prepared to put in the the time and effort that you need them to, because it's not like a, a corporate job where everything has been systemized and is ready to go. You have to have people there with you along for the journey. Um, yeah, it's it's not it's not easy, I have to say. But saying that, I'm in a position now where I have about 40 staff on the team and there is there are so many amazing people in my team and it's taken us a long time to get there but i feel like we're really on track now and people get where we're going they've bought into the growth plans they understand the fact that we are on a bit of a roller coaster and they're there for the journey with me but it hasn't always been that easy and as you can imagine you know i've i've had to i've made a lot of bad decisions along the along the way and a lot of bad choices and a lot of bad hiring decisions as well and that's cost me a lot of time and effort and money and heartache but you learn from it and you just clock that up to experience and you move on because that's all you can do, right? Well, I I, I want to add two points to that. Number one, we have learned the same thing. It's very funny. We're like, where did that... We, we work with a lot of contractors, so not necessarily employees within our business, but a lot of contractors. And we're like, it takes us a while to find somebody we really can trust. And then when you do, sometimes you go, where'd they go? What happened? Huh? 
Hmm, it's interesting. So being somebody who shows up and and does your job well is a, a hot commodity these these days. Um, but the second thing I wanted to to mention was was the vision of the company. Part of our job as leaders is to cast vision for people who, um, you know, don't quite know about it, or you know. But once they're enrolled in the idea of what's happening, then they're willing to go on that roller coaster with you. So, what are some ways that you cast vision for your team? It's interesting you say that because you're completely right. That is something that you have to be doing all the time. And it's taken me a really long time to understand that. I think that realization has really only come to me in the last year or so. But I find myself nowadays constantly just going back to basics. So when someone says, I'm doing this particular project, I will often just go, okay, let's just have a look at why we're doing that project. And often it feels a little bit superfluous to requirements, but going in there and just saying, what are our objectives here again? Why are we doing that? It just helps narrow everything back down to the mission and the vision overall. But as I said, in the early days, I just expected, and this was very naive of me, I just expected everyone to get it. I remember the first time that I put our brand guidelines on paper. Up until that point, I was like, why don't people get the fact that the brand is this and the brand is that? And then when I wrote it down, everyone went, oh, that's what you mean. (laughs) And I was like, oh, was that not clear before then? (laughs) So it's taken me a really long time to get to the stage that people see the vision. And now I realize that every single thing I do, it's my job as a leader, actually, not to run the projects, but to just go, let's take it back to basics and just examine why we're doing this. Yeah. When you're connected to your why, then you'll, I I feel like you'll, you won't say, I often say, if you know why you're doing what you're doing, if you're connected to your why, if it goes from your head to your heart, right? You know what you're doing and you know why you're doing it then you won't hit a stop sign it'll be a speed bump and you'll you'll work through the ups and downs on the journey because you're passionate and excited and emotionally connected to the outcome did you yeah, ever have agree. days where you were like i'm out i'm out of here never mind <laughs> find another job <laughs> no one has ever asked me that question before <laughs> but yes of course i've had those days many times i mean you know, you you have a day when you're just embroiled in HR stuff, which is like my least favorite thing in the world to do. And you just sit there and you go, why am I putting up with this? I could just be, I could just be working for someone else taking a salary, or I could just be lying on a beach somewhere <laughs> having a holiday. And then you realize at the end of the day that, you know, you're born to do this. You have it in you and you can't do anything else. And I could never go back to work for someone else unless I had complete and total control of the situation and the company. So you just have to wrestle through it because it is what it is. You know, you will have bad days, but then you may have some of the lowest lows you've ever experienced, but you will also have the highest highs. It is not a consistent and steady life, the life of an entrepreneur. And those highs, I mean, they are exciting and they're exhilarating. And you sit there and you go, oh my God, I would never have had that if I'd worked in some in a job for someone else. So you just have to take the the rough with the smooth, basically. Yeah, I love that. It's, it, it's kind of like, well, what else would I do? There's nothing else I would do. So I'm going to, <laughs> I often say, if I'm not doing this work, it feels like my soul is dying. You know, there is no other option. And I think when you take other options off the table, And you really realize like, this is what I love. I'm doing this because I love it. And even if I love it, even if I have this grand plan, even if this is where I know I'm supposed to be, it's still 
still going to be a journey because we're all developing our skills along the way. Mm. And and we often yeah. think we need to have the skills before we start, but it doesn't work like that, does it? No, it doesn't. And when you start, you wear every hat in the business. And I wasn't daunted by that, actually, because I'd had a very varied and diverse career and had worked in many different locations in many different situations and was quite used to sort of adapting. I mean, when I was 25 years old, I got on a plane, as I said, to the Russian Far East. I'd never been to Russia before. I didn't speak a word of Russian. I got lost along the way. I lost my luggage. I had no idea where I was. You know, It was fascinating. But you just go with it. And it's the same when you start a business. And I found they're going... I found myself sat there going, I know nothing about running the finances. I know nothing about HR. I know nothing about legals. But, you know, I, I once did something on legals in my last job. Let me just go back and have a look at that. And uh, I'm sure I can figure out how to do a balance sheet. And you just sort of go, I'll learn. And that's all you can do. And then you do learn. And the experience you take from that is invaluable. And now I have thankfully taken those hats off. I don't have to do the HR anymore. <laughs> I don't have to run the website. I don't have to deal with the legals. But over time, I have amassed so much experience in that, that I can now have proper conversations about all of those things, set people off on the right journey and trust that it will all come out, come good in the wash at the end. Yeah. Once you learn a new skill, you don't lose it, right? And so even if it feels like a mountain, a, you're, it's a daunting task, once you know how to change your website or put up a blog or email your list or whatever the case may be, you know it forever. And I think that's the beautiful thing is when it, it feels like a mountain sometimes, but it truly is just that one step at a time. And then as you grow, you have all of those skills with you. Yes. Now, and you, then as a business owner, you need to step back in and, and do them again. So yeah, you're absolutely right. Now you built all of these, all This you built this business over the past seven years with little ones at home. Um, so Tell me, how did you balance it all as a mom and as an entrepreneur and all the things? <laughs> yeah, well, my two sons are now uh, 10 and almost eight. So it is slightly easier now, I will say. They can just go off and, and take care of themselves a little bit at times as well, which is good. Um, but in the beginning, it wasn't like that. You know, when I took on Formula Botanica, my eldest was three and my youngest was eight months old. So a very different world. And I also, um, I breastfed them combined, like for a period of almost six years. So it was <laughs> quite intense. And then obviously I was constantly taking them to baby groups and toddler groups. But I found actually that I could be very, very resourceful with my mobile phone, with my time and just get things done in the in the gaps, basically. But the other thing I found was that I needed more than to just be at home with them. I love being with them. They're, they are my my heart and soul. They're my purpose and my joy in life. But I wanted something for me too. And I found that because I didn't have that in the early days, I started to climb the walls, which is why eventually I, I started my my first business when I was on my first maternity leave. So I um I just made it happen by driving myself forward. Even though I was sleep deprived out of my mind, I knew that this was my ticket out of my nine to five. And that drove me harder than anything has ever driven me before. So then after a few years, obviously the business really started to take off. At that point, we retired my partner. So he doesn't work anymore, which is awesome. And that means he's at home he can take care of them. Um, I go and pick them up from school every day, pre, pre-COVID. We're currently in lockdown, so there is no school. But I go pick them up every day. That is my golden rule that no one breaks. 
Um, but he will take care of them the rest of the time. And then obviously when I finish work, I'm with them. So we found a really nice balance in there now. And they understand that mummy works from home and that's that. <laughs> but it's yep. been a, a journey getting there. And I love the fact that they can also see that it is possible to start your own business. And I hope that one day when they're older, they may well choose to do the same. Yeah, I um, I have a 10-year-old. He turns 10 today. And then my, I think Eli just turned he just turned seven. Oh my gosh. How old is he? <laughs> he just had a birthday. Um, so they're seven and 10 right now. And um, I felt the same way at the beginning. It was a lot of intentional boundaries and getting some help and just being, because when you're with them, you're with them. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't get my laptop out because they were, you know, climbing all over me, but now it's a lot easier and we can ebb and flow in our day much better. My husband also works at home with me. So we're able to tag team yeah. a bit. Um, but it, it's, it's nice in this work from home online world that you can have a team of 40 all over the world. And I'm assuming they're all working from home as well. Yes. Yeah. It's always been a remote business. So my team is in, I think about 12 different countries at the moment. Uh, so we work in different time zones, although we try and recruit people who roughly are in the same time zone as us because it makes life a lot easier. Um, but yeah, they all work from home. And when, when COVID hits, I saw so many businesses just sort of crumble and everyone was like, how are you going to manage? I said, well, we all work from home already. You know, there is no change apart from the fact that we all have our children with us now. And obviously we have allowances for that because that is just life and that's the way it is. But yeah, it's been great because that means that I don't have a team around me necessarily, but everyone's used to talking over Zoom calls and, and Google calls and things like that. And that's just how we operate. How do you create community with um, with this time and space being so far apart with really only online connection. It's interesting you say that. There are a few things we've done. I mean, we use Slack, which is a fantastic tool where everyone chats all day long. But also we go, we do more than that. So for instance, and I know this sounds really silly, but we have the Giphy plugin in Slack. And being able to just sort of react to people with GIFs has really actually brought us closer together. I know it sounds ridiculous as I, say, as I say these words, but when someone says something to them and you just want to sort of roll your eyes at them or make fun of them or whatever, and people in my team do all the time, you know, we have a lot of fun talking to each other, then being able to express yourself that way really works. But we've also started to do Zoom socials. So a member of my team organizes a social event once a month where we all jump on Zoom and we'll do things like, you know, we'll have games, we'll play online games, or we, you know, at Christmas, we did this massive scavenger hunt. Every We paid everyone, I think it was like 25 pounds to go and buy some food and drink for their Christmas dinner and then bring it to the party. We had so much fun running around the house trying to find objects that were a certain color or you know, so people really connect with each other that way. And I think people in the team, despite some of them having never met, have actually made some really firm friendships that was that way as well, which is really lovely to see. Yeah, that's amazing. Community ends up being the glue that keeps people going when things get tough. And so I know that water cooler conversation has its place in a formal business, but I don't know. Like I, I keep wondering how many businesses are going to stay virtual because they don't have the overhead. It might work just as good. And the only thing that we'd have to brainstorm is this connection piece. 
which you can certainly mm. do over Zoom or, you know, work trips randomly throughout the year when that's back. Yeah, exactly. I think some businesses have a way to go with that. But because when the pandemic hit, I actually said, I don't think it's, it, I don't think it's COVID that's going to bring down the global economy. I think it's homeworking because so many companies are just not used to it. And so many employees aren't used to it either. I think more people are in the zone now, but I think a lot of people have now also discovered it's not for them, which is yeah. an interesting insight for a lot of people, I think. There is an element of, I need to get out of the house sometimes <laughs> and have another, like a clean exit. So cool. I've got one more question for you because it sounds like part of your success stems from your love of making and talking about money. So not only did you have a passion for organic and skincare and all of those types of things, but you also love money. So tell me a little bit about (laughs) about how that helped you. (laughs) You make me sound so callous. I do love money. I love making money. I'm not very good at spending it, I will say. But when I first started out, I never had any money mindset issues. I mean, my parents started their own business when I was eight years old in our spare room. And I watched them start a business and grow it successfully and sell it when I was in my early 20s at university. So I very much grew up with this mindset of if you need money, you can go out and make it. And so I've never been scared of doing big launches. I mean, we've done million dollar launches. We've, yeah, I mean, we've obviously been very successful with the money aspect. And because of that, I, because of that mindset that I brought into it, it never daunted me. And I've watched so many people crumble around me and go, who am I to make all this money? I've made, you know, what I used to make in a year, in a day, that sort of thing. And thankfully, I've never struggled with that. And I think women in particular, and I see it a lot in our communities as well, with the people who've gone through our courses, they really struggle to talk about money. The concept of making a profit seems almost dirty to a lot of people. But I think if you really want to be successful, you have to get over those blocks and have to realize that making money isn't a bad thing. It is part actually of running a sustainable business because yes, you can look at your environmental aspects and your social aspects and you can support all these amazing charities. But if you're not in business in three years time because you've not had a good profit margin in your business, then that's not sustainable either. So that's something else I like. I really like to talk about because financial sustainability is part of every single business. And it's so important that every entrepreneur embraces that. I I think um, in my network marketing career, people didn't, you know, in in the normal world, I would say you don't talk about money. Money is kind of one of those taboo topics, right? That you just don't say, how much did you make? And how much do you spend? And what is your budget like? And do you have debt? And all these things. You don't ask that. But when you Mm -hmm. are in as an entrepreneur, you are constantly assessing your bottom line and taking, looking in and seeing what's going on. And in our business, we would consistently say, how much did you make this month? All right, well, let's create a plan to, to double that. Or let's, you know, and we're consistently talking about money. And that is a mindset shift for a lot of people in themselves. So you love to work with women who have a dream, right? You love to help people who take that dream and actually get it out into the world so they can make an impact and change the planet. Tell, um, if you were to say one or two words to a female entrepreneur, males too, of course, but female entrepreneur out there in the interwebs that has that dream in their heart, but they're maybe a little bit scared, what would you say? I'd say, give it a go. What have you got to lose? You may create something that's bigger than yourself here. You may create something that changes lives all around the world. And that will be the most exhilarating and thrilling thing that you'll ever do. And it will allow you to create a legacy and leave your mark on the world 
And it doesn't matter what that business is or even how small the life-changing component is. If you can change someone's life, then you've made an impact on the world. And I think that's what all of us ultimately want to do. So I would recommend if anyone's on the fence about becoming an entrepreneur, just go and do it because honestly, you might have the best time of your life. Amen. Amen. Okay. I lied. I have one more question. (laughs) Um, I want to hear a few books that you have read that you felt like were really helpful to you over the past 10 years as you launched and grew your business. Do you have any books or resources to recommend to us? I am going to be perfectly honest here and say that I don't really read business books. (laughs) (laughs) But the one resource that I have found incredibly helpful is um, a gentleman online called Jeff Walker, who runs his product launch formula. I am one of his biggest fans. I've now also joined his personal mastermind after almost virtually stalking him for seven years. Um, And I found his methods the best and the most authentic and the most wonderful that are out there. And I don't follow any other digital marketers online. I just follow Jeff. And now, obviously, I know him personally as well because of all the uh, the work that I've done with him over the years and followed his methods. So, yeah, that would be my top tip for anyone looking to start in the digital world anyway. Awesome. Well, I think that allows you to stay away from confusion because there's so many ways to do so many things to find someone or a, a, a strategy that you really connect with and enjoy and follow that keeps you out of any sort of chaos. <laughs> <laughs> gives you the clear I just plan. have the one method and that's what I do. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, you guys absolutely check out Formula Botanica. The link will be in the show notes below. Um, Lorraine, you're also on Instagram and I'm sure all the social medias. And you also have a free training. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, of course. We have a free online course for anyone who is interested in becoming a formulator. And we'll show you all about the different types of ingredients that you can use. We'll show you how to make different formulations. We'll show you how to set up your home lab in a very simple and straightforward way. And that's available on our website at any time. And yeah, we have tens of thousands of people go through that every month and it's lots of fun. So come and check us out. Awesome. Definitely check out the link to the free training and beyond in the show notes below. Lorraine, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your heart with us. I am grateful that you said yes to that vision um, because it ripple effects and impacts so many other people, not only those who are taking your course and making their own products, but those who are learning from you and um, gathering the courage to say yes to their dream too. So thank you so much and have an amazing day. Thanks so much for hanging out with us today. I want to hear your aha moment from today's amazing episode. If you could leave a review at whatever podcast player you choose to listen from, Apple Podcast, CastBox, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you're listening from, leave a review and share with us your favorite part of today's episode. Thanks for hanging out. And remember to dream big.